Welcome back to our listeners, and thank you for tuning in. This is another 15-minute reset. I am your host, Lori Carice. Today, I'm bringing in to the conversation here, uh, Victoria Pelletier. She is a managing director at Accenture and a professional keynote speaker. We're going to speak on the topic here of unstoppable, curating a life of no excuses. So welcome, Victoria. Thanks, Lori. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. So absolutely. Let's dive in. Unstoppable, curating a life of no excuses. I love no excuses. Hopefully this will also (laughs) translate to to teenagers, right? Because that's my life. But Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that, so there's two um, hashtags I sign off on my social media posts with. One is unstoppable because that is my philosophy in life. And the other one is this one around no excuses. But what I will tell you, Lori, is that my two children hate, hate that philosophy. Also, they are 22 and 18. um, So they've gone through all the years um, hating that. And uh, it, it works well personally and professionally. So I'm happy to share with um, your listening audience a little bit more around how I kind of got to this way of thinking. And it it, it stems really from, you know, really difficult beginnings. And it's it's funny, um, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek and, you know, his start with why, you know, the TED talk that went viral. But that for me is sort of kind of been this philosophy and a big part of the reason why I'm also really focused around diversity and inclusion, which is understand people's why and that's really their lived experience and what they bring to their relationships to their work to everything and so for me I wouldn't have shared this story so openly until probably about 10 or 12 years ago but I'm born to a drug addicted teenage mother who was extremely abusive to me and I was in and out of the child welfare system and out of her care and I was fortunate however to be removed and adopted by a loving family uh, who worked to shape and and mold me quite a bit too, because I was quite a a broken um, child, you know, fearful of rejection, of abuse and all of these things. That's my why, um, quite frankly, in terms of why I I have this philosophy of being unstoppable, of not letting challenge and circumstance define me and what I want to achieve in life. My adoptive parents were from a socioeconomic perspective, very much lower middle class. My dad was a school janitor. My mom a secretary. And I remember she said to me when I was probably 11 years old, she said, you know what, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant by education, she meant socioeconomically. But what I'm going to tell you, Lori, is they, my mom never needed to say those words to me. I was determined I was going to be better than the biology I'd been born into, that abusive mother, or into the circumstance socioeconomically. And so I drove very, very hard. And the one thing I was able to do, I learned very early was from a work perspective, show up. That was within my control, my ability to learn, to perform, to gain new skills and have a very strong work ethic. And so that's where I started working at age 11, um, graduated at 16 and was working all throughout college and became a COO of a company at 24. And I've kind of taken that philosophy into the the work world. And this whole notion of no excuses is not that adversity and challenge and obstacles are not going to come in front of us. It is our choice 
around how we choose to respond to those. And I'm a highly emotional individual. So quick to emotion, tears, anger, whatever it is, and to allow us to have those, but make a choice in terms of how we're going to move forward. I really like how you said, you're, you know, being better than your circumstances. I think that applies so much. I mean, that really hit me, actually. Um, you know, as far as being unstoppable and determined, I, I feel like my my journey has been very similar. Um, I always felt like I had the bragging rights and I still do with my children saying I had my first job when I was 15, you were 11. Yeah. I worked in a hair salon, uh, doing everything but hair, uh, from cash and appointments to the laundry and sweep up. <laughs> yes. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, I mean, my first official job was when I was 15 I did some babysitting before, before that. But um, but you actually went to a workplace at 11. That's incredible. <laughs> tell, tell me how that really helped mold you. I mean, I know myself by, by working young and it wasn't like, you know, I was forced to do it. I mean, if I wanted a car and I wanted extras, I was going to have to contribute. Tell me how that really kind of helped focus and mold you to continuing to be unstoppable and how that actually translated to your children. Yeah, I, um, I, I did it because I think I grew up a lot faster than those that were my age, given the circumstance. So that I think that was part of it, but two, like you, if I wanted something, my parents made sure the basics were taken care of for me, but the basics came from Kmart right? They didn't come from a high-end store and we didn't go on vacation. So, you know, I learned that if I wanted those things, I could earn for myself to get them. So that work ethic and striving to um, achieve for myself um, is uh, a result again of circumstance. And I've, but I saw the fruit of those. I bought my first house at 19. Uh, And um, although what's interesting is there was a focus on having material possessions at some point in my life, I think because I had come from nothing and it was a bit of this, I'm going to prove to the world how successful I am. And that was going to come through materialistic things that shifted many years ago. And those things are not important to me, but the lesson I've tried to impart into my children, as much as I now have been an executive for 20 plus years. So we, we do, you know, quite well, we're comfortable and they've had vacations and the school trips and their clothes have come from brand name stores. But I've told them that, you know, I want, I wanted them to start working anything outside of like when my daughter got the latest iPhone and couple, I don't know, two years later, she wanted the latest. I'm like, well, then beauty, you can work for that and get it, you know, or if you, she had a laptop and she wanted the new one. And it's funny because my children at times, my, I know my, my son, the older of the two has said to me that it's like, none of my other friends have to like work. And I've told them I pay for post-secondary education. If you maintain a B average or above, they're both smart kids. So I'm like, I just want you to put in a little bit of effort and I will help you with that. I don't want you coming out with debt. But again, there's some work ethic and they're, they kind of push back by, um, on that, you know, cause many of their friends and their parents just give them, you know, whatever, but I want them to understand the value of hard work, the value of a daughter dollar. And then it's not just going to be handed to them on a silver platter. They'll need to work for that. Mom's not always going to be around to help them with those things. Oh, I agree. I want to ask you something kind of personal and you don't, you don't have to answer or you can kind of go around it only because I see a lot of you in me. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you feel this way or if you have the solution that will help me. I'm also very focused and determined and I've gotten to the point where I only 
Um, I mean, because you said you, you bought a house at 19, it sounds like you were really going for that stability and security for yourself. You were going to do it. I'm very similar. And unfortunately with that, I actually have a hard time letting somebody in, um, a partner in life, because I'm afraid that if I let them do those things, I'm going to lose that stability. Have you overcome any of that as far as partnerships in your life? Yeah. Where you've allowed them to have a little bit of that role or do you really cling on to that power? Uh, it, it, it's interesting. I've got this weird kind of dichotomy in terms of how I show up in my relationships and I've, it's evolved and changed over the years as I gain more confidence and security with myself. So initially, you know, I equated um, love with sex quite, quite honestly early. And so I, I just kind of sought it, sought that out because I wanted some validation because I was rejected um, by, you know, my mother was abusive to me and my biological mother. Um, and so I sought out like, like relationships that were not healthy, but because I wanted to get lots of attention to feel loved. I then also, when I was in a, like a longer term relationship, I'd say that I always had like these barriers or walls around me where I wasn't going to let people in. Cause I, again, there's a, there's a big fear of rejection and also like confidence. And do I really deserve to be loved in this way? Um, but then on the other side, I mean, I've always been the primary earner, either only earner or certainly earning significantly more than the partners I've been with. And that's because I am not prepared to put that in the hands of someone else. And so that's, for me, I've been able to, you know, have that security around, I know, you know, what I've earned, what I'm contributing. Um, it comes with a lot of weight, however, on the shoulder. Sometimes there's times where I say to my husband now, like it would be, I'd love not to feel that the, the weight of that burden, not that he asks me for it, um, but it's constantly there. But at the same time, I don't know if I can completely shed it because again, there's some security that comes with knowing I'm controlling my own, at least financial destiny. That's exactly where I was going with it and, and how I feel. It's like, I I know I can allow someone in and sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to do it all. But like really letting go, I don't know that I'll ever do again because I was certainly let down when I did, you know, allow that to happen in the past. So rising back up, knowing my why, hanging on, clinging to that security, that is really hard to to let go of. And that's, you know, I, it, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, you're unstoppable. You're boom, 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 go, go, go. But carrying that weight often makes you feel like, am I just going to crash and burn out someday as well? How do you avoid that burnout? I, um, I try and live a life where I, you know, have a, a very full, what I call like joy bucket, you know? And so that's, I, I'll, I'll, shoulder the burden of that, but I need to, I, I kind of prescribe to the 80, 20 rule around the work and, and activities that I do in my life. So 80% of the time when it comes to work, I want to get up and enjoy the fact that I'm going into or leaving in the virtual world right now, turning on the computer, you know, there's 20% of either people I'm going to work with that I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy or some activities that just need to get done. But I also have learned to fill kind of that joy bucket with the things that I'm passionate about the side hustles that, you know, at one point was like, Hey, I was really into making natural bath and bodywork products and soap. So I kind of did that on the weekends and kind of grew that to, 
um, my work around diversity and inclusion, those are all things that bring me great joy. And I've also learned, however, to say, do one of three things, say no to the things that don't contribute to that joy or value to me personally or professionally. So I say no, or I delegate it, or I outsource it um, so that I can make time more holistically. That makes shouldering the financial burden a heck of a lot easier. So you are an author and public speaker. Tell us about some of your public uh, speaking engagements. Where do you jump up on stage? What drove you to that? And you have a book? <laughs> I, I do. So actually, the book is a co-authored book. And I was approached by the publishers. And the title, funny enough, the, now you'll know why I said no, is Unstoppable. It's Unstoppable Change Makers Who Dare to Make a Difference. And they made me the primary, the, the first author in the book, which felt quite nice. So I will subsequently write a full-length book on my own. And the speaking came from being an executive in the business to business world initially 20 plus years ago was all around kind of industry related, work related topics. And then I'd said earlier to you that I wasn't always comfortable kind of sharing my my lived experience or my why. And I shifted probably about 10 years ago to sharing much more openly. I can't coach and mentor and lead people effectively and tell them how I've achieved success or where I've learned from failures if I don't tell them a little bit more about my backstory. And so I started to do that more and more in smaller settings and then ultimately have now done it on stages to thousands of people who will hear me speak. And so I'll share that story as a a, a method of inspiration or motivation with some career and life lessons. But then I also talk about leadership and culture around diversity and inclusion and things like personal branding and how to network effectively from a business standpoint. Okay. So I'd like to give a final tip to our listeners. What What's one thing where you can really just help somebody who does have a tiny list of excuses and how to break those? Uh, I, um, I, I believe that, I mean, you're the CEO of brand you, whoever that is. And so again, you control that destiny. And for the big part of the no excuses is that I hear from people is now is not the right time. Well, I, you know, what I would say is there is never a better time than now to take action, even if it's just incremental steps. So I'm not a big vision board person, but I know that works for some people, but instead I can get really clear on what my goal and objective is. And if each day I'm taking one step forward towards that goal or objective, um, then I know I'm moving forward and there's progress. And so that would be the advice that I'd, I'd leave people with again, around being brand of, uh, you know, CEO of brand you. And again, the steps, the choice you can make day to day just to make small incremental progress towards that that end goal or outcome you have for yourself. I like that because it's kind of like when you're saying no, you're saying no to you. So say yes to yourself. You always <laughs> need to give yourself that yes. Stop saying no. That That's wonderful advice as we also kind of jump into a new year. You know, everybody always has new goals, uh, looking at as fresh and new, you know, say yes to yourself. Uh, no matter when you hear this podcast. So Victoria, for our um, podcast listeners, I'm going to make sure to list all of your information, including a link to your book in our show notes. For our radio only listeners, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, if you Google me, I'm most of the first probably 10 pages, but I do have a website where a lot of the content, the, the blogs and podcasts and everything I do are, which is just victoria peltiercom which is P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R 
as I joked, he blamed my French Canadian husband for that last name. Um, but you'll find me there. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me, Lori. And this has been another 15 minute reset.